We're kicking off a brand new series today called Pray First. Pray First. We've been so excited about this series, building up for it for a number of weeks, preparing for it, getting ready for it. As you saw when you sat down today, there was a, uh, a little prayer guide that looked just like this on your seat. If you don't have one, don't worry. We've got plenty more. We'll grab you some on your way. You can grab one on the way out, but you should have received uh, one of these. Uh, we'll, I'll tell you what that is in just a little bit. Um, but kicking off this season of prayer, uh, we're so excited to be in the season that we're in as a church. You know, when you look at our Savior's Church and you see where we are today, we are one church that meets in three different locations. We meet here, we meet in Crowley, we meet in Eunice. Um, and so we're gonna, we, we meet in all these different locations, and, and God has been giving us such an incredible harvest of people. Last weekend, we had over 500 people with all of our campuses, um, which is exciting. Over the past year, we've had over 150 or 60 salvations just, w- just within six but, well, we're going into the eighth month, 150 salvations in, in eight months. And we look at this, and, and, and a lot of times people wonder, man, what is it that, that is bringing so many people? And the truth is, it's, it's really not the cool videos, and it's not the lights, and it's not all that. If you were to pull back the curtain of our church and look into the backstage, really what fuels our church is prayer. It is what fuels our church. Many of you may not know this, but we have a group of people that come early on Sunday mornings just to pray for this service, just to pray for you, to pray over the seats, to pray over the people that are going to be coming, praying for salvations and praying that you would experience Jesus. They come during the week and pray over the needs. As you fill out your Connect card and write on the back of prayer requests, we have people every week that are praying over those things, praying over uh, your needs and the needs of this house and where we're going. One of the things that I've started doing is uh, we started getting the Jennings Daily News sent to our office, and every day when I get the Jennings Daily News, I I read through the newspaper, and this is what I do. I pray over what is in the newspaper. So yesterday it said, you know, we, we had the, the shooting that happened. So, man, I'm praying over that. And then, you know, front page is usually always somebody's like, somebody got busted with drugs or something's going on. So just praying over those things and praying over our city. As I said, I just talked to the police chief. It looks like we're, we're setting up a thing right now where the police are going to allow, escort us into the worst places in Jennings just to pray. That's going to be awesome. So we're going to, hopefully within this next week, week or two, we'll even let you know if you want to come and join us. But we're going to have a police escort, through, escort us throughout the city of Jennings and the worst places of Jennings just so that we can pray for our city. We had one of our churches do that in Alabama. Their crime rate from one year to the next year went down 65%. So I told... I told the police chief in the text, I said, if you want to go down six, at least 65%, I think our prayers are at least 80. I mean, okay, maybe you don't. I think so. I mean, I get it down to 80. Uh, so, so we're doing that. I text the, our, our uh, Jennings Elementary for all those that have kids that go to Jennings Elementary, be praying for me tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow praying over all of the teachers at Jennings Elementary and encouraging them. And then I asked, I asked uh, Miss Lori, yeah, awesome. I said, I asked Miss Lori, who's the principal there, I said, hey, would you mind if our church people come and just walk through the halls and pray over every classroom? And she said, please. So if you would like to do that, I told her I would like to do it before school starts, which it starts on Wednesday. If you would like to go and do that, I'm, I'm looking to maybe get a group of people on Tuesday to go. So if you would like to do that, contact me and let me know. But we're going to pray over our schools, uh, maybe go get over to Jennings High and Ward and pray over those schools as well. But everything that we, we do at this church, I think, is based out of prayer. And so Luke chapter 11, I want us to read this first verse, and it says this. Read this with me. It says, it says now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... 
One of his disciples said to him, Lord, what's those next four words? Teach us to pray. So that's the title of today's message. Teach us to pray. Let's pray. Hey, before I talk on prayer, let's pray. <laughs> I think that would be fitting. So, Father, we, we pray right now, God, that your word as it goes forth, that it would do what only it can do, that it transforms lives. God, it's nothing about me and it's all about you. But I pray, God, that today that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and faith to respond to what you want us to do today. I don't believe that anybody is here on accident. I fully believe that you've called them to be here for a purpose, and that's to speak to them. And I pray that you would do that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees says, amen, amen. amen. I grew up in church. Uh, if you know a little bit of my background, I grew up in church, um, had, a, had Christian parents, Christian grandparents. My, my grandmother was a worship leader for many churches. Uh, I, so I just grew up with, with a lot of people around me that were of faith. And one of the things that my grandparents did all the time is they had people over at their house and had these prayer and worship nights that happened all the time. And, and uh, they were awesome. They were cool. But one of the things that they would do all the time, and I don't know if you've been in church long enough, you may have been to some of these prayer meetings where they get everybody up in a circle. Everybody gets in a circle. And you know it's only real prayer if you hold hands. You know that? You know it. Your prayers don't count if you don't hold hands. Did you know that? I just let you know. Okay. So, but now, like, with the whole Lysol and Germic stuff, I don't really want to touch your hand. So, uh, we're like, I'll pray in faith. Um, so, anyways, but we used to do these prayer circles. And, man, I, to be honest, I hated them. I hated them. Because you always had people in there that prayed, like, you know, they prayed for, like, 30 minutes by themselves. And they're like, hey, we're going to let everybody pray. And one person takes up, like, 30 minutes of prayer. And while you're doing it, your hand is, like, sweaty. Y'all with me? It's like sweating. You're like wiping it down. If you haven't had to experience a prayer circle, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Sweaty hands. And then they were like, you know, we're going to go around. And when it's your turn, you know, like we'll squeeze your hand when it's your turn. And, and like you're, you're not even listening to anybody else's prayer. All you're thinking about is what am I going to pray? What am I going to pray? And no, you're, you're thinking about what you're going to pray. And then, you know, it comes around to the person right before you. And they're praying everything that you are going to pray. And you're, you're like, ditto, you know what I mean? It's like, I, and then they go and they squeeze your hand, and you just, you just squeeze the next person's hand, like just pass it on. You know, I'm just passing on to the next one. You just don't know what to pray. You got these people who like pray these elaborate prayers. You don't feel like I can really pray like they can. And come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy how prayers are. He, I, my, my son actually has this um, little teddy bear, and at night we'll go in and pray over our boys, and Lindsay will sing to them, and uh, we'll do kind of our bedtime routine, and, and, and Joel and Judah and Josiah have this little teddy bear. When you squeeze it, it's got this prayer, and you know what this prayer is, but this prayer really is a morbid prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die... Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night. <laughs> like how morbid is that prayer? Hey, if y'all die tonight, I pray Jesus takes you. Sweet dreams. Like it's crazy. Crazy. But how many of you would be honest? If you've been saved for any time, you're a believer maybe for one year or 30 years, how many of you would be honest enough to say that, that your intimate prayer life, that having an intimate prayer life on a consistent basis with God, you've struggled? How many you, raise your hand. You've struggled having that. On, come on, like 95% of people raising their hand. I think 
I, I think if we were all honest, we all struggle when it comes to prayer. I know I do. Man, I, I am so ADD when it comes to prayer. This morning, I woke up in my bed and I got up and said, God, good morning. Glad to have you. Thank, glad to have you. <laughs> glad to have you. <laughs> Just letting you right into my prayers. Glad, <laughs> glad you got me. You know what I mean? And I, I, I literally, I'm praying, and probably 15 seconds in, I fell back asleep. I'm like, God, just be with our church this morning. God, I pray you bring. That's just how it is. I just, I have a hard time. And I, and I think a lot of us, if we were honest, we have a really hard time when it comes to prayer. And I, I, I think many of us are actually praying wrong. And, and my, my, my prayer today is, is to really help. And, and when we read this verse, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, uh, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, here's, here's the crazy thing. The disciples grew up memorizing prayers. Like, they grew up knowing prayers. They grew up knowing how to pray. And so they weren't saying, God, like, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. They knew how to pray. This is what they were saying. Teach us how to pray like that. I want to know how to pray like that. That's how I want to pray. And so that's my prayer today for you and for me is that we would learn how to pray like that. Now, here's my goal. Let me tell you what my goal is. My goal is not to do a drive-by guilting, okay? I don't want, y'all know what a drive-by guilting is? A drive-by guilting is when a preacher goes and, and says, you should be doing this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And you walk out of here going, oh, I feel so bad about myself. That's not my prayer today because you know what? We already feel bad about not praying enough. So I don't need to do that. My, my prayer today, this is my prayer today, is to put the fun back in prayer. That's my plan today. I want to put life and joy back into your prayers. And if for you it's been drudgery or it's been, oh, I don't really don't want to. If it's been that, my prayer today is when you leave, you're going to want to just leave here and go pray. That's, that's my prayer today for you and, and for me. And so before we start, let me... Let me how, how many want to hear a joke? Let's hear, let's start with a joke. Okay, let's start there. Y'all good? Anybody want to hear a joke? Okay, so there's a, there's a story of a family. It was a, it was a mom who had invited all of these people over to her house for dinner. So her and her daughter and everybody were getting ready for the dinner, uh, excited to have all these people over. And so the people come over, they sit down to eat, and, and the mom says, hey, hey, darling, to her little six-year-old daughter, hey, why don't you share the blessing? So the daughter looks back at the mom and says, Mom, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. And she says, baby, yes, you do. You can pray. And she said, Mom, I don't know what to say. She said, just pray. Just pray like you hear Mama pray. Just, just say the things that you hear Mama say. So she says, okay. So she bows her head, and she says, dear Lord, why in the hell did I invite all these people over? For all the religious people in here, you can just go ahead and leave. I know. I said it. I had to. I had to say it. Come on, how do you like to be in that prayer? <laughs> all right, that's funny. I don't care what you said. That's funny. That's funny. Matthew chapter 6, go there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. So, so the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And here is, here is his response, Okay. You know this. Uh, we probably don't have to turn there. You know what this is as soon as I start saying it. Let's throw it up there. Matthew chapter 6. And this is what he says. Our Father in heaven. Come on, let's say it all out. Hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come on earth. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now here's, here's my concern with this. When, when, when Jesus told the disciples, hey, this is how you pray, what we have done is we have taken the prayer and made it a repetitious, monotone prayer. So we've said, our Father, who art in heaven, and we just go through the repetition of the prayer when God's design, when he said, this is how you pray, was never meant to say, say this. He was giving us a framework of how to pray, not telling us this is what you need to pray. And so what we see here is we see kind of seven things that, that Jesus is telling the disciples. If you want to pray like me, if you really want to pray like this, here is the model, here's the template that will help you learn how to pray. So I want to take this, our Father in heaven, all the way down, and I want us to break it down. We're not going to spend a ton of time. It's real easy. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to really just dive into what this word says. So let's start with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. If you're taking notes, which we encourage you to take notes, so hopefully you are. But if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one is that we connect with God relationally. Our Father in heaven is this idea that we're connecting with God relationally. Now notice I said that we're not connecting with God formally. We're connecting with God relationally. Two totally different things. One's formal, one is relational. And we often have a tendency when we say this prayer to skip the two most important words in this prayer. And that is the two first words of this prayer, our Father. If you don't get our Father, you can't go anywhere else in this prayer. We have to start with our Father. That God is my Father. Notice it doesn't say, dear master. Dear, it, he starts off with father, which was one of the most endearing names of God that he could have. He loved it when people called him father. I don't know about you. How many fathers we got in the house? Raise your hand. If you a daddy, raise your hand. Come on. There's nothing like being a daddy. Nothing like being a daddy. I love being a daddy uh, more than anything. Love my boys. And I, I love coming home. As soon as I open the door, it never fails. As soon as I open the door, one of my boys is running and going, Daddy! And if they don't, then they just get spankings. And then, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I love that my boys love to be with me. They love to spend time with me. If they get an option between going... When we leave here, we'll leave out of two cars. There's dad's car and there's mom's car. Whose car do you think they want to go in? Dad's car. Nothing against mom. They're just with her all week, so maybe they just want some dad time. But they want dad's car. And that, I love that. I love that my boys want to be with me. There's nothing that would be more drudgery than if I had kids that didn't even want to be with me. And so we have the same relationship with God, that God is a father, He's a father to you and I. We are his children. We don't tend to, um, well, let me, let me back up a minute. Let me tell you two reasons why I think we don't pray. This is not in your notes, so this is free, okay? Here's two reasons why I think we don't pray. First one is I think we have an unhealthy fear of God. 
there is, you should have a healthy fear of God, but I think we have an unhealthy fear of God. And here, here's what I mean by an unhealthy fear of God. I think most people are scared of God. I think most people think God is mad at them. I think most people think that God is disappointed with them. I think most people think God is a ruthless judge just waiting to strike you down. I think most people view God like that. So let me ask you this. How many people like going over to other people's house that you know they don't like you? Anybody? Hey, you know, your wife comes, hey, babe, we're going to our neighbor's, neighbor's house for dinner. Oh, man, they hate us. Let's go. <laughs> like, nobody wants, nobody goes. You, you don't want to go spend time with someone who you think hates you. And I think it's one of the number one reasons why people don't pray. It's because you think God hates you. You think he's mad at you. You think he is shade. You think he is, he is just ready to spite you. And I'm here to break that and say, God loves you. He is a father and he's going, come on, come on, let's go. Let's spend some time together. And so I think we have an unhealthy fear of God. And so instead of running to God, we run from him. And so I think that's why we don't pray. And number two is, and I think this is more for Christians than anybody. I think the first one deals with a lot of people that maybe you walked in here and you don't have a relationship with God or you're far from God because of sin. And so you think you can't connect with God because if God knew what was going on in my life, he, by the way, he does know. Okay, so anyways, sorry, I'm sorry. The other thing I think is what Christians really deal with is we just don't think we need God. Now, I know this isn't popular preaching and none of us would say it. But I think, we, I think our prayer life just shows to God, I don't really need you. We think we're in more control than he is. And, and, and let me just say this. It only takes one phone call for you to realize you're not that in control. You're just not. It takes one doctor visit. It takes one, one, one accident. It takes, it takes just one little something for you to realize, I'm not as in control as I thought I was. And I think oftentimes we don't go God, to God in prayer. And I'm going to, listen, I'm going to repent before you on my own. I think that I'm a pretty good God. I think I can handle it a lot of times on my own. And so I don't go to prayer because I think I got my plan worked out. And it's not until my plan fails that I realize, oh, maybe I don't know. Are y'all with me here? And I've got to repent of that often, often. And so when we connect with God relationally, then we can go into a place of prayer that, that, that Jesus connected with his father all the time. Let, write this down. You should never go further in your prayer until you connect relationally. We should never come to our, our prayer time with God starting with, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. We should always start with, God, you're my, you're my father. You're my good, good father. You're, you're a daddy to me. Thank you, God. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. If you want to hear more about the Father heart of God, go back to our Off the Chain series in Galatians, and we talked on Father's Day about, about this idea of, of fatherhood. But one of the things I said in that message, and I'll say it again today, your view of God will determine your relationship with God. So if you don't view God as a father, you will view him in a different way, which will cause you to relate to him in a different way. But when you, review, when you view God as a good father, you'll bust up into that door and go, hey, daddy, what's going on? Like my kids don't care if I'm on the phone. They, they literally interrupt me as I'm on the phone. Hey, dad, can we have this? And I'm like, shh, I'm on the phone. But they don't, because I'm dad, they just, they come and get whatever they want. 
And God wants us to do the same thing with him. Let's go on to the next part of the verse. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now hallowed is a big, big word. Nobody around here uses the word hallowed. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, just hallowed, you know. <laughs> hallowed you doing, you know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody uses hallowed. But this is what it really means. We worship his name. We worship his name. Come on, we sing the song. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the names of God. I don't know if you knew this, but the, there, there are many names of God. It's not just God. It's not just Father. It's not just Jesus. There's many names of God. And there is power that comes in that name. There's authority that comes in that name. Let me give you an example. So if I tell, you know, Judah to go up to, you know, upstairs and say, hey, tell Joel and Josiah, hey, y'all need to clean y'all's room. And Judah runs up there and says, hey, y'all need to clean y'all's room. What do you think his brothers are going to do? Like, Make me. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what it, but if I tell Judah, hey, go upstairs and tell them, dad said, make, clean up your room. And now he's like walking up the stairs, like with like a, you know, <laughs> and then he walks up in there now and he's like, dad said, you clean your rooms. I'm good. You know, I mean, there's a whole nother level of authority that comes not because it's his, but because it's mine. Are y'all with me? And so when we go into this time of prayer, not only are we thanking God that he's a father, we're thanking him for the authority that we have because of him, because of his name. Read this verse with me. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous, look what they do. They run into it, not from it, but they run to it. And what do they find? They find safety. They're safe. Let me just give you a couple names of God. He is our righteousness. Come on, how many of you glad that you are not your own righteousness? We got another, another better righteousness. He is our righteousness. He is a sanctifier. Come on, he is a healer. How many of you have said that one? God, you are a healer. He's a shepherd. He's a provider. He's peace. He's a banner over me. There's a verse that says God is there. Like that's his name, there. Like, hey God, you're there. Thank you for being there. So hallowed be your name. Let's go to number three. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray his agenda first. We pray his agenda first. Now listen to me on this. The purpose of prayer is not that we impose our will onto God. The purpose of prayer is that we submit and surrender our will to God. That's the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not going, God, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and I need this, and I need that. No, 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 no. The purpose of prayer is for us to go to God and go, God, I submit all of this stuff to you. All of this, I give it to you. It's not my kingdom come, my will be done. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. And you cannot obey God's will until you can trust God's heart. You can't obey God's will until you trust God's heart. Let me show you. I'm going to show you this. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. So this is the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he is going to be uh, turned over to the Romans to be crucified. So he's in the garden, and guess what he's doing in the garden? What is he doing? He's praying. Actually praying so fiercely that he's bleeding. He's, He's sweating blood. And here's his prayer, because he knows what he came to earth to do. He knows what his father's will is for him. 
And this is what he prays. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed. And this is what he said. My, come on, let's start there. Notice it said again, my father, my father, if it be possible. So this is, if there's any last chance, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, Father, that I don't have to do this, I don't want to do it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And let me say this. Because Jesus could trust that God's will was good and right, because he could trust that his Father had a plan, and that it was higher than his plan. He could say, okay, and you and I sit here in these seats today because Jesus submitted his will to his father. It's the only reason you and I are here. It's because Jesus said, your will be done, not my will be done. I'm curious how many people would come to know Jesus if you would just submit your will to his will. See, when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, do you know what the number one will of God is? God's number one will, the the thing that is on God's heart, do you know what, what God thinks about all the time? People. Others. The number one thing that Jesus came and did, he came to serve others. So what if our prayers were about others? God, who today do you want me to minister to? God, who today is in my path that needs Jesus? God, who today is, 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 is someone that's hurting? God, because it's your will, not, not, not my will. And, and I love this because when we read this story of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he didn't do himself. You know, with all the, all the stuff that we've gone through, the, the moment we heard the news of Joel two and a half years ago, Guess what the first thing we did? We prayed. On the way to the emergency room, not knowing what's going on, we're praying. As soon as we get into the emergency room and they go, your son, his heart is about to give out. What do we do? We cried and prayed. And then we got on the phone and just started calling people and telling, hey, you need to pray. And my son is where he is today because of prayer. Nothing short of it. Pastor Bob is here because of prayer. The strength that we have in our bodies is because of prayer. Let us never fool ourselves that we think we're that good. We're not that good. We're not that strong. God is good, and when we pray to him, he answers. Because it's his will that's done. Matthew 6, Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. We'll get to that in a little bit. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Write this thing down. Prayer doesn't work because it moves God. Prayer works because it moves me. Prayer doesn't work because it just moves God. Prayer works because it moves me. And when I go and, and, and pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, you know what I'm asking him? God, change me and what I'm thinking. Change my perspective. Give me your perspective over this. Because I, I can't see your perspective. Right now, I am afraid. Right now, I am worried. Right now, I don't know what's going on. Right now, all this is falling through. Right now, the health. Right now, the doctors are saying all this. But your kingdom come and your will be done. Whatever you want to happen. God, help me to trust you that you're a good father. 
Now notice that the first three parts of this prayer is not about you. It's all about God. Our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We haven't even gotten to you yet. We haven't even gotten you. Everything's been about God. But now, notice, now that our hearts are turned towards God, now that our hearts are right, now we can go, okay, God, here's my list. And he wants it. So watch number four. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread, which is number four. We depend on him for everything. We depend on him for everything. I think the biggest mistake that we make is the only times we go to God is when we need him. It's the only time we're praying. And so here's, here's my practical encouragement with this. I encourage everybody in here to pray what you need when you don't need it. I know it sounds weird, huh? Your bank account has money. Your, your, your health is good. Things are going well. I'm saying pray and say, God, continue to give me health. God, continue to prosper me. God, continue to, because when we, this is the reason why. Because when we do that, we're constantly reminding God, everything that I have is from you, and everything that I need is from you. We're con- so if the only time we ask him for the things is when we're in need, what kind of relationship is that? Y'all with me here? It's like those ER, ER prayers, the emergency room prayers. God, ah, ah, ah. But we've never developed that. And here's the deal. God listens to those two. But that, he doesn't want that all the time. He wants us to be dependent on him for everything, everything we do. Psalms 121, it says this. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is what it's saying. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Now, in those days, on the hill was actually the seat of government. So it would be like for us, Capitol Hill. So when they would look to the hills, they would see their seat of government. They would see their president and Congress and Senate. And this is what he's saying. What he's saying is, I don't look to them for my help. I don't look to the president or to Congress or to the government for my help. For where my help comes from is greater than any of them. My help comes from the Lord. And so that's for us. We, we, we always need to be in that place where we are praying, God, where you are where my help comes from. You're where my help comes from. Number five, forgive us. This one's gonna be this one's gonna be the challenging one. Forgive us our debts. And most of the time we want to put a period there. But it doesn't. As we forgive our debtors. So this is what this means: that we that you get your heart right with God and people. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. You know what my prayer is? Lord, don't, don't let me become desensitized to sin. Search my heart. If there's anything that offends you, point it out. I remember when I was a, when I was a youth pastor, I went into a house of a, of, a, of a teenager that was in our youth ministry, and his parents um, had cats, lots of them, lots of them. And I walked into the house, and it was so nasty. Like there was cat feces everywhere. It was urine all over the place. I mean, it was, it was just, it was repulsive. It was disgusting. And my heart broke for the kid, first off, because of the situation that he was in. 
But I walked in, and the crazy thing, I was like, man, what is that? And this is what he said. What is what? What is what? I'm like, dude, you don't smell this? And this is what, he literally had been in it so long, it was normal. Now listen to me. We can live in sin and so far from God for so long, it becomes normal. We think that, that this type of relationship is normal. We think that a marriage under distress and fighting all the time is normal. We think that, that kids are just going to rebel. That's, that's normal. That, that, that you know what, I, I got to have this stress in my life all the time. That's normal. That I always got to date a guy that doesn't value me or cherish me. That's just normal. That's just how it is. But it's not normal. And it's not godly. And so the reason we go to prayer is because we get what is really supposed to be normal. And we submit all of our stuff to him. And, and, and God so lovingly points out these areas in our own hearts. And, you know, I, I, I can be in a fight with my wife and go into prayer and, and, and think that I'm, I'm totally right. I know no guys are in here like that. I was right. And God just lovingly goes, yeah, but. And he'll just put my finger on there. And this is what he does with us because if you have any unresolved bitterness, then it's a sign that you're not right with God. I'll say that again. If you have any unresolved bitterness towards people, it's a sign that you're not right with God. What you say about other people reveals more about you than them. So if you're critical of other people, if you're mad at other people, then you're not doing this. And the Bible says that if you don't forgive other people, come on, this is scary. God won't forgive you. I don't, if there's any place that I don't want the stiff arm, I don't want God's stiff arm. I don't want it. So we've got to live with a place where we get our heart right before God. And so oftentimes, even a lot of my morning prayers start, God, God, forgive me for what I've done to this. And then I've got to go make those right with, with other people because not only do I want God to forgive me for my sins towards him, but I want God to forgive me towards my sins towards other people. And I'll even, I'll even give you a better prayer. Start forgiving people in advance. God, today people are going to piss me off. God, I forgive them already. I forgive them already. God, I forgive that boss that's going to be a jerk. I know what he is. He's going to be a jerk, and I forgive him already. And guess what? You walk up in your business, and be like, I already forgave you. I know. I forgave you already. I forget. Come on. How much freedom would that be for you to walk up and already forgive people before they even did it? So we want to walk in forgiveness. And let me say this. What God does in you through prayer is more important than what God does for you. I'll say that one again. That was really good. Good. Amen. I'm preaching myself. What, what God does in you through prayer is way more important than what he does for you. So way more than him answering your list, what he's doing in you is way more important. Number six, and let's, let's land this plan. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is that we engage in spiritual warfare it's not that God leads us into temptation. We know that that's not true. God does not lead us into temptation. What this really means is, God, don't allow me to be led into temptation. 
God, help me in the temptation. And every day, listen to me, every day you will have a chance to sin. Every day you will have a chance to sin. Every day you'll have a chance to sin and you need God's help. I need God's help. We need God's help. And I'll say this, if you're not fighting the devil, then he's working harder than you. If you're not fighting the devil, he's working harder than you. Because he's fighting you. And he's not only fighting you, he's fighting your marriage. He's fighting for your soul. He's fighting to to bring offense into your life so that way now you're offended so you can't receive from anybody. Come on. We have, y'all know this is a real, I read the paper this, uh, uh, no, it was a Facebook post the other day um, and one of the things, and it was actually about Jennings and one of the things somebody said was, man, our city just needs to get cleaned up. It's, It's a wreck. And immediately my mind went to this. This is not, Read, the, read this verse with me. This is, and this is the verse that came to me, Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against Welsh and Jennings. It's not against this person and this person. It's not against that. Y'all with me? It's not against even my husband or my spouse or against this coworker. Our, our, our wrestling is not with people. Here's where our wrestling is. Our wrestling, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. We are in a spiritual battle for our city, for our family, for our marriages, for our kids. Don't think that when you send your kids into school that there's not an enemy that's trying to, ta- tar- to target them. So we need to pray, 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 pray against that. Number seven, for yours, this is how he finishes it all up. For yours is the kingdom. Notice, here's, here's that your again. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. This is this idea that we express faith in God's ability. I love Psalms 32. I would encourage you to end, to wrap your prayer time with God. Maybe write this down, put it on your car, put it on your, your mirror in your bathroom. But so, uh, Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. And I love this. Nothing is too hard for you. So I don't know what you're going through, but I can guarantee you there's many prayers in here that you're praying for lost loved ones, or you're praying for a job, or you're praying for uh, reconciliation somewhere, or you're praying for a healing that the doctor said that you couldn't do. And I just keep coming back to this. I speak this over my son. I speak this over Pastor Bubba. I speak this over this church. Nothing is too hard for you. It's too hard for me. It's way too hard for me. And to be honest, when I carry it, I'm so burdened. I'm exhausted. And some of you in here are exhausted because you've been carrying something that God should have been carrying the whole time. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's too hard for him. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Many of us act first and then ask God to bail us out. That's how it works. We act and then we run to God in prayer. God, help me! But God is saying, no, listen, prayer should be the first response, not the last resort. So we are issuing a rally cry here at OSC. And here's the rally cry. Pray first. Pray first. What would it look like in your life 
if you prayed first? What would it look like if you woke up in the morning and instead of jumping up out of bed and, and jumping on Facebook or, or just getting right to all the things you gotta do, what if you woke up in the morning and said, good morning, Father. Today's your day. Today is the joy of my salvation. Thank you for another day. What would it look like if we prayed first? What it would look like before we send our kids out to school? We say, oh, let's pray first. Let's pray first. What would, it, what would it look like before you set up that business meeting if you go, you know what, hey, just hold on. Before you have them come in, hold on. I need to pray first. Before you made a decision on what you were gonna do. How about before you go and, and, and confront your spouse for something that's going on in your, in your family and you're mad about something, before you just go off, you go, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me just pray first. Let me pray first. What if before you sent that email, you prayed first? What if before you, you went to post that post on Facebook, you've been waiting to post for a long time, before you had sinned, you know what? Let me pray first. What would our lives look like if in every situation we prayed first? I bet it would look a lot different. I'm going to repent to you. I have not prayed first. I have acted first. I've responded first. I've done a lot of things out of flesh. I've led this church out of flesh. I've done a lot of things that I, I wish I wouldn't have done. And, and I, I repent to you. I've already repented a lot to God. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we haven't instituted more prayer in this church. Because where we're going to go as a church can only be predicated by prayer. I don't want to do this without him. And I think I have enough skill that I could attempt to. And Pastor Bubba, Pastor Zach, Pastor Jamie, all of our elders, if there's anything we are burdened for, that our church would come back to this place of, hey, let's just pray first. Let's just pray first. I, you know, with my son, I'm quickly, let's, let's go to medicine first, or let's call a doctor first, or let's, my son, yes, last night on the way home, driving home from Lafayette, my, my middle son was like, oh, I don't feel good, my heart's racing, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. And of course, I was like, ah! you know, it's panic mode. And I went back there, and I just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pray first. So I put my hands on my son. Just prayed over him. He didn't throw up. He's all good. He's here today. He's, he's fine. It wasn't my prayer. I, I realized, like, in that moment, God was just challenging me in what I was about to preach. You going to do this? You going to do this? Let me read this last verse. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It says, If... If my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and they pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I would love for you to go in scripture and find all the if thens. If we'll do this, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins 
and I will heal their land. Starting tomorrow and for the next 21 days, our church is going to rally to 21 days of prayer. There's nothing flashy about it. That's why a lot of people don't do it. But for the next 21 days, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., 6 a.m., yes, 6 a.m., we're going to open up this church. I'll be here. Pastor Bell will be here. We're going to share words of encouragement. And then we're going to spend 30 minutes of personal prayer, 20 minutes of corporate prayer. And we're going to believe that God's going to do something that we can't do. And I am inviting every single one of you to join us. I would love for you. And I'm challenging you. What would it look like if we as a church took, took this seriously? Now, I know that for moms who have kids, you can't get here. I understand that. Some work early and you can't get here. We understand that. So we're going to post all of our prayer morning services online for you to hear when you drive to work or drive home so that way you can be a part of it. But I would encourage you to be a part of it. You've got this booklet right here. It says pray first. I encourage you to go through it. It's, it's, it's just a way to help you. In the back, you'll see back here in the back, there's places for you to write down your own prayer, your government, your family, your church, your life, uh, prayer requests, those that, that, that need God. Come on, how many say I'm in? I'm in. I'm in. Let me close with this. Salvation is not going to church. Salvation's not even believing in God. Salvation is when you connect with him relationally. Salvation is our Father. Our Father. And the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the barrier between you and God, you and the Father. When we sinned, we put a barrier between us and, and the Father. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus came and he destroyed that barrier. He destroyed it. And for a bunch of us in here, when we talk about prayer, it's hard for you because you seem like I'm just so far from God. I'm so far. There's no way that I can pray. I'm so far from. But salvation is not when you come close to God. It's when God comes close to you. And today, God is offering salvation in this house. He's breaking down the barrier. And if my people will humble themselves, the only thing that happens is Jesus paid for our sins and he removed the barrier. And so you, you say, well, Pastor Joshua, what do I have to do? Here's what you got to do. Give him your life and receive his life. That's it. That's it. God, I, I, I realized that my way was the wrong way. I realized that I, I, and the thing that I've learned the most is those who are farthest from God are actually closer to him than they even think. You're one decision today from changing all of that. And I want us to pray first. So I want you to bow your heads all across this room and I want to pray this over you. And if you don't know Jesus or if you're far from Jesus and you, you want him, come in not only to help you but, but for him to be your Lord for him to be your Savior just, you can just pray this with me Jesus thank you 
for destroying the barrier between me and God. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Today I receive all that you've done for me. I make you my Lord. Come live on the inside of me. Change me from the inside out. Have your way in me. I give you my life. Everything. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name.